Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Debt. How much debt do you have? According to a study by Experian, one of the big credit bureaus last year, the average American had about $90,000 in consumer debt, $35,000 in student loans, $20,000 on their car loan, and over $200,000 in their mortgage. That America is a country of debtors should come as no surprise, since our country's national debt is around $70,000 a person. And 70K is more than about what 70% of Americans make a year. Now, of course, we're talking about averages. And maybe you are doing better, maybe a lot better than that. After all, one in five Americans have no debt at all. But even if you're one of those lucky ones, we all know that we may be only one calamity away from bankruptcy. We know that one catastrophic illness has driven many in this country to that point. And of course, because we're talking about averages, the opposite is also true. And some of you may be in worse shape, perhaps even much, much worse shape. And I know this pandemic has exacerbated this for some of you who are listening to this. And our hearts are with you. And nevertheless, this isn't the Clark Howard show. Nevertheless, I am not done talking about debt today because it has a lot of relevance for a holiday that we're approaching rapidly. Hmm, what could that be? Christmas. How could you miss it? Seems that the holiday display started going up this year as usual around Halloween. And it wouldn't surprise me if even a few of us here at church perhaps even admittedly myself. No, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if when you hear the word Christmas, that Jesus is not the first thing that comes to your mind. Instead of the most amazing gift of all time, the incarnation and birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, what many of us feel is overwhelmed, stressed, and worried. Instead of thinking about Jesus, we fret that we'll be arguing around the Christmas dinner table. For many, this is a time of year that brings us thoughts of anything but peace on earth. Some of us may even be happy that they could bow out of their Thanksgiving this year with family they don't enjoy being around because the CDC gave them an out. For others, this year is not a joyous time of getting gifts, but instead of sad and painful memories of a person they love who will not be sharing the Christmas dinner table with them this year, or too often ever again. Another cause of worry is that we will be expected to spend more than we can afford to buy presents. Last year, U.S. households spent about $1,500 during the Christmas holidays. And that wasn't just gifts and gift cards, which are about a third of that, but also entertaining, going out and buying festive clothes to wear to parties. Here at the Advent, for many, many years, we have challenged our community to be inspired by the spirit of something known as the Advent Conspiracy Movement. The Advent Conspiracy Movement was a movement back before movements were cool, 
It was something that started over 10 years ago by three Protestant pastors. There was the usual book, the DVD, the small group guides, etc. But the tagline still applies today. Can Christmas still change the world? And I hope your answer is a resounding yes. That we really need to see that Advent is bigger than we tend to imagine. Bigger than even we, who as Orthodox Christians have already experienced the richness and fullness of Advent to a greater extent than many of our neighbors. There were four tenets of the Advent conspiracy. Worship fully, spend less, give more, and love all. Let's take each in turn. First, worship fully. Advent has historically been a reflective penitential season, a type of winter Lent that goes with the winter Pascha of Christmas. When the devil got us playing Christmas music on Thanksgiving and got us shopping for Christmas before Advent even began for most years, he defeated the, this precious season in our lives. The church provides these seasons and periods of preparation for us before the big events. This is precious time, a penitential preparatory time. Penitential means that it's an opportunity for us to repent. Now, I'm sure the first thing that jumps into your mind when I say repent is to stop sinning. And yes, that'd be a good thing to do. But I mean repent in a much more general sense. This is a time for us to reorient our minds and bodies, our hearts and souls toward God. It takes a conscious effort, especially in what has become a season full of distractions. But luckily, the church has provided us with many, many ways to prepare. It may seem hard to worship fully this year when we're not meeting in person at church. And I'm not going to for a moment say that's the ideal situation. It's not. But I will say that it provides for us an opportunity to make our homes more of the little church they're supposed to be. It provides us with a stronger push to make our homes what they should be every Advent. And we've helped provide some tools for you to do that. We've shared with you a set of devotions on our website and Facebook that you can use to pray each day during Lent, I mean during Advent. And, so, and also with those devotions are Bible readings and readings from the Church Fathers for this time between now and Christmas. If you don't have an Advent wreath, I recommend you get one or make one to add a, a special physical and beautiful element to your prayer life during this season. And finally, the season of Advent is a fast season. On Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, in addition to uh, not having any meat or meat juices in the food that we eat, um, we're supposed to try to eat less, to eat only one full meal a day, and if we need to, to eat another small meal, about a quarter of a usual size meal. I know I need to work off some of that turkey or pecan pie or whatever it was that I ate last week. But the purpose of fasting isn't just to make us physically healthy. It is to reorient ourselves again towards God as what truly feeds us and to trust in his ability to provide for us. Fasting is a way of worshiping God fully and more fully. The second and third tenets of the Advent Conspiracy go together. Spend less, give more. Now, does that really compute for you? I don't think it does for most of us Americans. I mean, how can I spend less and yet give more? Well, it starts by trading consumption for compassion and committing now to set apart, set aside 
some substantial portion of what you were going to spend on gifts this year and instead join us somehow in supporting a good cause. We usually alternate here at the Advent between a local and international charity to support. And we'll let you know who we choose. And um, you can give through the church to that cause, but you could also choose one of your own if you prefer. So take a moment right now and think about how much you usually spend on gifts or what you plan to spend this year. And think, if you could give maybe 5% of that, 10% of that in alms instead. Maybe just cut back on one gift. And I don't mean the one you plan to give your grumpy Uncle Dave. I have no doubt giving that money to a better cause will feel better than spending it on all that stuff you buy for others that will soon be forgotten. However, the other way to give more while spending less is to give relationally, as the creators of the Advent Conspiracy suggest. And they do it in such an orthodox way, in my opinion, because they base this on the way Jesus gave himself to us. They say first that he gave us his presence. The people who you love and who love you back want your time more than they want your stuff. And this is probably more true now than it's been in any time in recent history. We're so disconnected right now, it's hard to spend time with those we care about. So try to do that somehow. Second, they note that Jesus's gift was personal. What people want isn't something impersonal. They want something that shows that you pay attention to them. And third, Jesus's gift was costly. It came with a risk of rejection. Think about whether the person you're giving a gift to might rather have a kind note from you, a scrapbook of memories that you of the things you miss sharing together right now during this pandemic. It's certainly easy to have something delivered to them by Amazon, but try to think of better ways to build relationship than by the ways we've been taught by our society. And if you don't know where to start, I recommend you head over to the Advent Conspiracy website. It's still going strong after these, these over a decade. They have many blog articles, et cetera, that can help you get started and think of good ideas for making this season of Advent something better than it's been for you in the last few years. And that foundation of relational giving is empathy. Empathy is the ability to recognize, understand, and share the thoughts and feelings of another person with another person. Experiencing that other person's point of view rather than your own. And we see that Jesus' gift to us was the epitome of empathy. God took on everything we are, mind, body, soul, will, etc. He literally walked in our shoes, even to the point of dying just like we will, so that he could save us. That is the most empathetic gift I can imagine. And that brings us to the last tenet of the Advent Conspiracy. Love all. We spent a lot of time talking about debt today, and as I told you, I'm not done. Because there's one kind of debt we are all commanded to carry, to love one another. In today's epistle reading, St. Paul tells us to owe no man anything but to love one another. 
our world, much like it has distorted the Christmas season into a gross feeding of the consumerist beast, it's also distorted love into some sort of free-for-all. Our world has confused love with, on the one hand, what I can do for you that makes me feel good, or on the other, confused love for what you can do for me that makes me feel good. Note in both instances, it's about ourselves. We've equated love with sex, love with stuff, love with freedom to do whatever I want, even if it drives myself and those around me into the ground. However, that is not what the Bible says that love is. What did Paul say? He said that he who loves another has fulfilled the law. And what's the law? It's those Ten Commandment things again. Don't commit adultery. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Don't covet. Well, at least those six that have to do with loving others rather than loving God. So we see from this that love isn't freedom in the secular sense. It isn't the supposed freedom of owning stuff or possessing people. It's fulfilling God's law. And don't just take Paul's word for it. Jesus says in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. That certainly isn't the type of freedom we are being sold by the world. Yet it is a radical freedom that Advent has brought to us because when we love our neighbor as ourselves, we, like Jesus, are offering that empathetic love I was talking about. When we tell the truth rather than bear a false witness, we love others because we also don't want to be falsely accused. When we don't covet, we love others because we are happy with what we have and are more able to share with those who don't. So I'm not going to go through all of them right this second, but you get my point. The commandments aren't some sort of don'ts to keep us in line. They're just a basic definition of human love, real human love. Real love, not the false stuff the world tries to tell us. And amazingly, they're also real freedom, even though the devil tries to tell us they're not. Because when you free yourself from wanting to possess other people and have their stuff, you're finally free. And that's the root of every one of those commandments that we just went through. You're no longer controlled by those people or their stuff, but by your own person. It's the deception of the devil who tells us we need to be in control of others and their stuff. And if you've ever tried to do that, you know it's the road to perdition, literally. The more you try to get, the more you realize the links you have to go to get to it. It isn't freedom, it's slavery slavery to the devil. So instead, to be free, you have to break those chains of possession and false freedom. St. Paul goes on to say as much. He's saying, wake up. The night is over. The day is at hand. It's time to repent, to turn back to the Lord. The advent of our Lord is here. Our salvation is near. So refocus on God. Cast off the works of darkness. And then he goes through each of the commandments. Regarding adultery, he says not to walk in chambering or wantonness. Regarding murder, not to walk in rioting and strife. Regarding theft and coveting, not envying. Regarding not bearing false witness, he says to walk honestly. Instead, 
What, G, Saint, what Saint Paul tells us is to put on our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the armor of light. To put on, instead of making provision for the flesh or fulfilling the lust thereof. We do not owe others our bodies or our stuff because they want them. That's also part of the freedom we're given. But we do owe others our love. And in the end, in and through Jesus Christ, the paradox is that loving others will require everything of us. It will require our bodies and our stuff. But we offer them freely and rightly in a sacrificial and empathetic way perfected by and with the love of Christ. And that's why we begin Advent with the triumphal entry. Because we know how the story ends. We know that this is the road to journey on. We know that road started 33 years ago in a cave, in a manger. And at that point, the angels knew what was coming on that dark night. The wise men knew who had arrived. And now we know it too. We know that Advent has changed the world. But it's now up to us to act like it really did. And it starts inside us. It starts above, and above all. It starts with love. And what is love? But that little baby Jesus lying in a manger. The Savior riding into Jerusalem to freely face sin and death in order to break its chains on us. The God-man who will come again triumphantly in his second advent to defeat not only death, but all the enemies of God, the enemies of love. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Come now into our hearts and fill us with your love that we may be loved to those around us. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, that every knee will bow most especially ours, to love this Advent season. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.